0: One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Everybody is good. It's so good to see you guys. I'm seeing some faces that it has been a while since I have seen, and man, it's good to be together. And as Nate said, welcome already, and uh, if you are a guest here, maybe first time or first time in a long time, I know for some of us just getting back into this um, gathering rhythm is, uh, it just feels feels so good, but we're so glad uh, that all of you are here uh, today, and um, man, what an awesome time of worship, Joel, thank you so much, it's awesome, and uh I don't know about you guys, but um, it's there's nothing like being in the presence of God. Amen. And um, I know maybe you've come in and you think, wow, these people are kind of energetic. They're, uh, you know, they're kind of moving around a lot, lifting their hands in the air. Um, you know, what, what is with them? Well, I took my boys to a Mets baseball game uh, the other night. And you know, uh, they actually made us look pretty calm here, okay? Uh, They were, no joke, I've got video of guys swaying, singing, arms around each other, beer in one hand, you know, they're just going for it. And so, um, you know, there's something that happens when you get into God's presence uh, and get filled with a spirit that is just so energizing and refreshing and um, also that just causes us to love each other. Amen? And uh, church is not just about coming and Me and God. It's about it's about us connecting with each other, too. And uh, so we're so glad that you're here today. Well, we have a a special moment uh, today that we have uh, that has been a while since we have done. And that is baby dedications. And um, so uh, we are we're going to celebrate some baby dedications today. And so I uh, let's see. I just want to make sure I I get everybody here. So we've got some families that are going to come up for baby dedication. And uh, first, would uh, Juliet Poole bring her parents up this morning? Mark and Ashley, everybody, let's, let's give a collective ah. Mark and Ashley, you guys can come on up and, and grab a, a spot here. Hey, Juliet. And uh, we also have the Patchens, Amelia Patchen, uh, Jacob and Yossi Patchen. And uh, you guys can come up, too. And, uh, sweetheart, you can come up and stand with everybody. And then we also have Nina Duramo with David and Ashley. Uh, I'm sorry, David and Allie. I'm sorry, I'm getting my names mixed up. But Dave, Allie, come on up, guys. Miss Nina, looking so pretty. Looking so pretty. And uh, then, last but not least, we have Mr. Abel Griffin. Where is Abel at? Somewhere around here. The Griffin, The Griffin gang and uh, coming up as well. And, um, you know, baby, we believe as a church that, um, you know, there there will come a time. You guys, if you, you maybe just scoot down a little bit. Um, you know, we believe as a church that there comes a time uh, for every one of us that we make a decision for Christ, that we put our faith in Jesus. Uh, but there is something about a family uh, that making the declaration, bringing their babies and their, their children and saying, uh, we, we want to present back to God this gift of this incredible baby that God has blessed us with. And uh, today is kind of a special baby dedication. All of them are so, so special. But today is special because we actually have two babies that were adopted into these families this morning, which is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And... Uh, and it's such a picture with every one of these babies it's a beautiful picture of really God's work God's life in us and I I, I saw Miss Nina in her stroller before service and I said David where did she get those blue eyes from and then I looked at him and I said David I never realized how beautiful your eyes are (laughs) it's all about the right setting but um But the beautiful thing is that she's looking like her dad (laughs) and she looks like her mom too. And that's really a picture of, you know, spiritual life for every one of us that God has caused us. The Bible says that he's caused us to be born again. And regardless of what our natural circumstances of birth were, whether it's ideal or not ideal or what, you know, our plan was or wasn't that, that we have all been welcomed into God's family. And uh, even as you guys are bringing these children today, I know that there will be a moment for each of them. I believe that they will make that decision for themselves. That they will follow Jesus for themselves. Um, but we just want to pray over them today. And you know, for Jen and I, it's a privilege uh, to pray over them. It's it's a privilege to have been able to walk with you guys uh, over the last years. Really, for each and every one of you, uh, Mark and Ashley. Juliet is such an answer to prayer, and I, I remember uh, for for years, really, God had put it on your heart that you wanted to have another baby, that there'd be an addition to your family, and wow, what a what a beautiful answer to prayer! God is so good, God is so good, and for each and every one of these families, the, the the uniqueness of the situation, what a wonderful blessing it is. You know, the Bible says that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. In other words, they're with you for a period of time, but ultimately they'll leave our hands. They'll leave our hands. They, they're in your hand now. And some of you can attest to this, that they leave a lot quicker than we may think. And, and some of you would say, yeah, you blink twice and they're they're, they're launching out. But right now, you guys are, are setting the course and the direction of where they're going. And I want to just encourage you dads this morning. I, I know each one of you. I know that you're, a, you're individually a man of God. I know that your families have committed to following God and serving God. And I, I just want to encourage you with Joshua's words where he was preparing actually to pass on to the next generation, what God had entrusted to him. And he said to the the men of Israel, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He said, you decide what you want to do. In other words, everybody has to make a decision. I've heard it said this way. God doesn't have any grandchildren. We all have to make a decision for ourselves, but you can influence the course of your family by making that decision. And and I want to encourage you guys. I know you're making that decision, and I I need to be quick because these guys are wiggly this morning. But I I just want to encourage you guys. Continue to stay the course. Men, I I charge you as a a man before God. Set the course for your family as you are doing. The world will determine and, and will give us all kinds of metrics for success. Let me tell you, in the final equation, what matters is are they serving God? Are they serving God? And so I want to encourage you guys today to continue as you're doing. And Jen, I know you had something to share. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Yep. Yeah. Use, use the mic, babe. There you go. Is it on? (laughs) Just yeah. You can.
1: There's a lot of family members out here today, too, so raise your hand real quick if you're family, too, any of these babies, and just encourage you, too, awesome, encourage you, too, with this scripture in Deuteronomy 6, and I love reading this every time we do baby dedication, just to remind us, it's such a good reminder um, that, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all your the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk, to them of, the, talk of them when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them on, as a sign on your hand. And it goes on and on. And just to remember, um, just as you're driving in the car, the Holy Spirit will remind you of things. He'll say, Tell them about that tree and how I made it or, you know, just uh, situations that you run into and God will give yeah. you wisdom to know how to describe the good and the bad and yeah. how God works all things out for good. Yeah. And so I just want to encourage you all with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, sweetheart. Hey, can, can our elders team come up and just stand around these beautiful families? In fact, I'll get all of you, if you would, just to stand up and we're going to pray God's blessing over these children. And, you know, the the Bible says that we have the power to bless and and that through our our mouths and through our words, we can speak the goodness of God over uh, one another. And so we just want to speak God's blessing over these families today. And, uh, Jen, maybe hold on to the mic. I'll have you pray as well. But, Father, we thank you, Lord, for these incredible children. God, thank you that they are a gift from you. Lord, thank you that, Lord, you knew them, God, even before they were born, you knew them and you knit them together in their mother's wombs. And Father, thank you, God, that you have a wonderful plan and purpose for every single one of them. And so, Lord, today, even as their parents bring them, Father, we just come into agreement with them today, Father. We bless them in the name of Jesus and we dedicate them to you, Father. Lord, we we dedicate Abel to you, Father. We declare over him, God, that he will serve you. Lord, all the days of his life, Father, let him let him be marked for your purpose and for your plan, Father. Lord, we pray for the gifts that you've put within them, Father, for precious Nina, God. We pray, Lord, that you would mark her today for your kingdom and for your purpose, God. Lord, thank you that she will be a mighty woman of God, Father. Lord, we bless her even as David and Allie dedicate her to you today. Lord, we agree with them, Lord, that she belongs to you, Father. Thank you for this beautiful gift, God. Thank you for Amelia, Lord. We just lay our hands on her today, God, and we bless her, Father. Lord, thank you for Jacob and Yossi, God. We thank you that their house is blessed, their family is blessed. God, everything that they put their hand to will be blessed, Father. And Lord, we just declare today, God, that she belongs to you. And Father, we pray you'd continue to orchestrate their lives, Father. Thank you for beautiful Juliet Hope, God. Lord, thank you for the picture that she is and, and and Lord, the blessing that she is, Father, to Mark and Ashley and to their family. Lord, thank you even as they waited and prayed, God, that you have heard their prayer. And Lord, thank you for this gift that you've given to them. And Lord, we dedicate her to you today, God. We bless her in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Sweetheart, if you want to pray. Father God, we just thank lift you, up
1: Lord. this these families to thank you, God, you, that your anointing would be upon them, that Holy yes, Spirit, you Lord. would come and and you've already promised to be their helper. Lord, just help them through every situation. Lord, I ask that you would even remind them to pray every day and just thank yes, you Lord. for wisdom because, Lord, Jesus. we need your wisdom because every you, kid Lord. is different and we need your wisdom to know how to raise them properly, Lord, so we yes, ask God Lord. for your wisdom to come thank down you, and bless each one of these families, um, the moms and the dads, to know how to raise them up to love you and serve yes, Jesus. Lord.
0: Thank in name. you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give them a round of applause. Beautiful families. And uh, if anybody hasn't gotten a picture, if you need, if you want to just snap a picture, I know we've got JC taking some pictures. Do we have good good enough pictures, JC? We can dismiss them. I didn't want to kill the photo moment. I know this is a part spiritual, part photo moment. So anyway, awesome. Well you guys can grab your seat. Jen, you've got a gift for them. And we will pass those on to you. Awesome. All right, great. Well, um, one thing in in one church is uh, we're we're a growing church. Lots of uh, lots of additions, and uh, I I know um, there is another wave of babies coming. It had been a little while since we did baby dedications, and I. Uh, somebody brought it to my attention. I went, oh yeah, we've not done baby dedication since COVID. And uh, I thought we better do one quickly uh, because there's going to be another wave of babies coming. And uh, so it is exciting. It is exciting. Well, if you have your Bible, why don't you grab it with me and turn to the book of Nehemiah this morning, Nehemiah chapter 3. And while you turn there, I just want to give all of you, uh, uh, an update. Uh, if you're a part of our church family or have been with us, maybe over the recent weeks, you know that we have been in a uh, a new initiative, a faith journey. Uh, after you know coming out of COVID and not being able to meet for almost a year, and now being able to gather, but but not really even being able to gather all together weekly, let alone do all of the midweek ministry that we want to do uh, throughout the week, not just on Sundays. We really felt like God had put it on our hearts uh, that this was the time for us to step out in faith to having a home of our own. Now, let let me just make sure that we're all on the same page. The building is not the church, okay? Uh, The the building is not the church. Uh, it, It is a tool for us. We are the church, okay? So we want to just make sure that we don't have that mentality of, you know, when we get a church, that's that's not our uh, thinking. But uh, just like every family needs a home, we are so excited to have a home. So I shared with you the vision about that, shared with you a need, uh, or maybe I should say it this way, a goal, a big goal. And I shared with you probably a month ago that we uh, were raising and had set a goal of $300,000. Now, I have to tell you, when when those words came out of my mouth, I choked in my throat a little bit, okay? Because uh, that's a big goal for any church, uh, let alone for our church, okay? That's a, that's a big goal. But I felt like God had put faith in my heart, and I really felt like it was time for us to step out time for us to step out. And the, the declaration that I felt like the Lord just put in my heart is the money will come. The money will come. And, and this is uh, not just about having a building. It's really an exercise of faith for every single one of us. And uh, we are growing our faith. And, uh, you know, you don't build muscles without resistance. And you don't build faith without overcoming some things. Amen. Sometimes we want to grow in our faith, but we never want to have to overcome any challenges. God, let me, let me grow in my faith. Let me be a, a man or a woman of great faith, but, but let me just have little challenges. Well, the, if you have little challenges, you'll live with little faith. But when you have big challenges, God gives big faith. And I really felt like God had put it in my heart. Let's step out. It's time for us to step out. So we shared that with you about a month ago. Then, two weeks ago, uh, we received our very first Vision Builders offering. And uh, those of you that were with us in house church or online last week, you heard that uh, we had really seen a miraculous provision a couple of weeks ago. And uh, over that week, as we received the offering, we had $177,000 that came in. That is incredible. That's miraculous. And so I want to just give you guys a little update uh, that since last week, this is just in in, in a week's time, there has been more that has come in. And so the latest update is that we have received $238,672. Come on. I'm telling you, that is a go God, come on, praise the Lord moment. That is a, a miraculous moment. And, and, and I want to uh, even the way I'm saying it, I'm saying it we have received, or we have given, or, or maybe we could say it this way, God has provided 238,000 dollars. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And I believe everything that we need, God is going to provide. God's going to provide. And let me tell you this right up front. uh, This is so mind blowing that we will never be able to say we did it. Let me just tell you, this is, I'm not saying we have raised $238,000 because we didn't raise it. God provided it. God provided it. And that means that he's blessing you. That means he's blessing us. And it's just a miraculous, miraculous provision, and so I believe that by our closing, uh, which is scheduled for June first, and in fact the end of our due diligence period is uh, May twenty fifth. But I believe everything we need, God is going to provide. Amen? Amen. And so I just want to pray right now, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of more than enough, Father. You are the God of exceedingly abundantly, beyond all we could ask or think, and so. So Father, we are calling on you today, God, Lord. We are giving you thanks. We're giving you praise, Father, Lord. Everything we have comes from you, God. This is not our skill. It's not our effort, Father, Lord. Even the, the the finances that we earn through work or any endeavors, God, you're the one that gives us strength. You're the one that gives us wisdom and skill. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your blessing, God, Lord. We pray that you would provide for every single need, Father. We. Thank Thank you, Lord, that everything we need, you will provide, God, according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so we stand in faith, God, declaring everything we need, God, you are providing. And we're going to give you all the praise and all the glory, all the honor. God, let the word go out in this community. God is at work. God is moving, Father. Let it not be, wow, one church. Let it be, wow, God is at work, Father. Let your name be glorified we pray. Lord, now as we turn to your word, God, I ask that you would come Speak to us, Lord. I pray, Father, that there would be an anointing upon me and upon every person in this room today, God, to receive your word with faith, God. Lord, we don't want to be hearers of the word alone, Father. We want to be doers of it, God. We want to hear it and mix it with faith, as the book of Hebrews says, God, that there would be an activation of your word in our lives to accomplish your purpose. We thank you for it, Lord, now in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. 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 Well, if you have your Bible, Nehemiah 3, and I actually want to read a few verses before that. You can flip a little earlier, and we're going to pick up in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. And uh, we are calling this series the uprising. The uprising. And you know, ultimately, I believe that God's plan and purpose for every one of us, his direction for our lives, is an upward direction. You know, life and the circumstances and the difficulty of the world that we live in, left to ourselves, life doesn't move up, it breaks down. Uh, I I think it's one of the laws of thermodynamics that things are not coming together and improving, but it's actually breaking down. And the Bible shows us that that's because we live in a fallen world. Although it is marked by God's beauty and by God's creativity, and we look around the world and we go, wow, it's incredible the way that that this world has been constructed. At the same time, there's something in our hearts that groans that says it's not the way it should be. And through Jesus, every single one of us can experience a a turnaround in our lives. We can experience a resurrection or being born again, broken out of the downward direction of the world to experience an uprising in our hearts. And the book of Nehemiah is really a beautiful picture of what it looks like when a group of people come together in faith uh, and uh, work together to see God's purpose fulfilled on the earth. And so we've looked at the story of Nehemiah, chapter 1 and chapter 2. And I want to pick up where we left off in verse 17 last week. Nehemiah shares the vision with the people of Israel, and he says this, "'Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me.' So they said, let us rise up and build. That, that is a turning point moment in the whole flow of this book. Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. But when Senbalet, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? They didn't know that the king had actually given them authority to do this. So I answered and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Now I want to pause right there. We're going to pick up in just a moment, but I want to pause right there. And I just want to draw your attention for a moment to how amazing the word of God is how incredible the Word of God is because the very thing that we are reading about here in Scripture is continuing to unfold before our eyes. I don't know if any of you saw this week the unrest and the pain and the uh, all that is happening in the Middle East, specifically around Jerusalem and the, the fighting between the, 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 the uh, Israelis and the Palestinians And really, it's just the continuation of this very thing that we see here, that God has made a promise to a group of people, and there is a resistance to what God's plan and purpose is. Now, let me say this, God loves all people. Through Jesus, his blessing has come upon every person, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your education, regardless of your background, God is for you and he has good things in store for you. But there will always be a resistance. There will always be things that will stand in the way of God's promise and God's purpose for our lives. And here we see as soon as the Jewish people come and begin to rise up and build. Immediately, there's a title dispute over the land. I mean, this is, and, and uh, I won't get into all of the current events that are happening right now, but I don't know if you realize this. What's happening right now really centers around a title dispute. A title dispute. And, and Joel is a an attorney, and he will tell you, if you don't have the title, you don't have anything. Okay? And, and that's what's happening here is there is a a, uh, title dispute. Now, more than just a legal title, we have a a legal document here that gives us uh, authority for everything that God has for us. The enemy will often come and and, and try to deny what God has given to you. He will try to uh, argue against the birthright that God has given to you but we need to stand on the word of God. That's why it's so important. We know the scripture that when the enemy comes and says, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? To, you think you're going to raise that baby and you think that that baby is going to fulfill something great? Who do you think you are? Don't you know your family background? Don't you know uh, you, you don't have the right education? You don't have the right credentials. Well, you got to go back to know here's what the Bible says about me. Here's what the Bible says about me. He says, I'm sorry, but you don't have any heritage or memorial in Jerusalem. That's a a great thing. Don't let the enemy live rent free. Don't let the enemy live rent free in your brain. He will come and you got to say, not today, Satan. Right? Not today, Satan. All right. Nehemiah 3 goes on. He says this, then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it, or they they dedicated it to God, just as we were doing with these children this morning, and they hung its doors. They built as far as the tower of the hundred and consecrated it. Then as far as the tower of Henanel, next to Eliashib, the men of Jericho, and next to them, Zachar, the son of Imri, built, and the sons of Hesanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Kaz, made repairs. Next to them, Meshelam, the son of Berechiah fast and confident. The son of Meshezebel made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, the son of Bana made repairs. Next to them, the Tekoites made repairs. But their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. Now, I could continue reading the rest of this chapter, and I encourage you to do it this week. It's just a great reading exercise, okay? Read Nehemiah chapter 3. But we have come to one of those moments in the Bible that I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I get to these places where it's just a list of names, I'm just like, skip over it. Who else has ever done that? You're like, just fast forward, God, thank you. Your words all inspired, but this is just confusing. So fast forward. And this is one of those moments. In fact, the whole of Nehemiah chapter three is just the listing of names. It's the listing of names. And, you know, sometimes you wonder, God, why do you put these, these passages in the Scripture? Why bother with these? And, and I believe that one reason is a, a spiritual reason, and it's this, that God remembers everyone's name. God remembers everyone's name. You, you see, the book is called Nehemiah. God didn't name it Nehemiah. Man gave it the name Nehemiah. And men often love a, a celebrity, they often love the, the, the one person that they can kind of rally around. But I want you to know that when God looks, He doesn't just see the big names, He doesn't just see the famous and the, the spectacular, He sees the faithful. He sees the people that maybe no one else knows their names, but they have served faithfully behind the scenes. And I think God is saying, I know their names. I know your name. Maybe you feel like, God, do you even know what I've been doing? God, I've been serving. God, I've been standing. God, I've been believing. God knows your name. God knows your name. And he's Not slack, as some men are slack in their promises. He'll fulfill everything that he has for us. So I believe God put it in here because God remembers us. But the second thing that is maybe more practical is this, that not only does God know us, but I believe this, that every team has a roster. Every team has a roster. Now, we've been looking through this book of Nehemiah, and we've seen the moment where Nehemiah gets gets the report of what's happening in Jerusalem, and he gets the burden over what's happening. And and he sits down, and he weeps, and then he rises up, and he actually goes back to work, and he does the due diligence, the hard work. He's faithful in uh, serving the king where he's been put. And then we see he gets favor put on his life. He goes back to Jerusalem, and he goes out at night, and he begins to inspect the condition of the city and, and take an inventory And last week we read that he had this vision in his heart. But I want you to see that Nehemiah didn't rebuild the wall alone. Nehemiah didn't just get at it and, you know, one-man show, one-man band, uh, you know, jack-of-all-trades. That's not how he worked. Nehemiah cast the vision to the people, and then the people said, let us rise up and build. And I told you last week that that word us, is always the language of heaven, or maybe I should say it this way, the language of heaven is always plural. It's always inclusive. If you remember that out of the book of Isaiah, the Bible records the words of Lucifer when he rose up. He said, I will rise up. I will ascend. I will be like the most high. But the words of God in creation was, let us, let us And so I want to say it to you this way, that when God gives a dream, there is always a team. When God gives you a dream, there will always be a team that will be a part of fulfilling the dream that God puts in your life. Why? Because it's the nature of God. Teamwork is God's work. And God's work is teamwork. God doesn't do solo operations, he always works in the context of community it is his nature in fact we even see in genesis 11 the story of the tower of babel that a group of people came together and that this was their exact words let us let us come and build a tower and the bible says that god looked down from heaven and he said He doesn't say, oh, 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 "OMG, I don't know what he says, OM oh, me, I guess, but he looks down and, and he goes, "We angels, we've got to get down there. Something's going on." And the Bible says that God utters these words. He says, we've got to confuse their language because if any people speaking the same language set out to do something, nothing they set out to do will be withheld from them." In other words, they tapped into a power that was beyond themselves. They tapped into the power of God because they had tapped into the power of unity. It's the nature of God that God is one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. And there's this beautiful uh, deference from the Father to the Son to the Spirit and drawing back from the Spirit to the Son to the Father. It's the nature of God. Everything that God does, he does in the context of a team. And so that means if God's put something in your life, if he's put a call, a dream, a a vision, a purpose, it will never happen just by yourself. It will never happen by yourself. Divine assignment always needs divine alignment. Uh, I know it's cheesy, but it's true. Divine assignment always requires divine alignment. There is some alignment that has to happen in order to fulfill what God has called us uh, as a church and as individuals, as families. There's alignment that is required. When God puts something in our hearts, it will never happen by ourselves. I told you last week that if your, if your dream doesn't require God, it's too small. But if your dream doesn't require people, it's not God. Because God always works in the context of community. It's who He is. He never works in isolation. Humanity is always rallying around the great me, myself, and I. That's the unholy trinity of humanity, me, myself, and I. But God works in unity. God works in community. God works in team. God is a team. Jesus built a team. Jesus built a team. The Bible says in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, that he called to himself those he himself wanted, that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach. Jesus changed the world through building a team. Jesus was a team builder. Everything that God does, he does in the context of team. We see the same in the, in the New Testament through the life of the Apostle Paul. Everywhere he was going, he was always bringing someone with him. He never did it on his own. He never did it in isolation. He's always bringing somebody. There's this context of community that's coming through into the life of the church. In fact, I love this little passage in 2 Corinthians 2, 13. We don't have it on the screens, but you can just write it down. Paul says this, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. But he said, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother. But taking leave of them, I departed from Macedonia. Now, I want you to get what, Paul is saying here. He says, God has called me to preach the gospel, and then he says, God has opened to me an opportunity. I've got an exciting opportunity. God has opened a door of opportunity. Now, how many of you would say that if God opened a door of opportunity to you, you're walking through? I think we all would say that. But Paul doesn't walk through that door. He actually says, I didn't have any rest in my spirit because I didn't find Titus. In other words, I didn't have a partner. So I'm stepping back, although I've got a good opportunity, I'm stepping back because I know that if it's God, God's not called me to do it alone. God's always working in community. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing together. It's worth doing in a team because that's the nature of God. God always works together. And, you know, really, even that's what church is. We are God's team on the earth. When God wants to do something, thank the Lord for the gifts that he's given to individuals. But our gifts don't work on our own. We need the body. I mean, let me give you an illustration. Your hand doesn't do much good without your arm. I mean, you can have an incredible hand. Look at this hand. This is a beautiful hand. <laughs> Thank you. These are beautiful hands. But these hands don't work without these arms. Now, I don't want to show you these arms. Y'all might stumble this morning. <laughs> but the same is true in the, in, in the kingdom of God. Everything God does, he does in community. That's why it's so important that we connect in the body of Christ, and I know that, that we've been through this season where, you know, we've all just in culture been disconnected. But I, I want to encourage you, don't stay disconnected. You'll miss out on the beauty of what God has for us, because this is the context of community that God works in. It's always in community because it's the nature of God. And so I want to look at this Passage, And again, I encourage you to read the whole thing, but I want to just look at and pull out a few things that I believe we need to understand about teams because I believe God's calling us to be a functional body, a team. That's what we call it, right? A team, a functional body. So the first thing that I want you to see out of this passage is this, that teams have a mission. Teams have a mission. Now, I know that may seem, um, you know, redundant. That may seem obvious, but I believe it's important for us to recognize because the purpose of the team isn't just being on the team. The purpose of the team is to accomplish the mission. And here we see, here we see at the very beginning of this team, it says, then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the sheep gate. They built the sheep gate. And I told you last week that the Sheep Gate, if you know the history of Israel, that that is the very place where Jesus came into the city. That's the very place that 400 years later, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he entered in through the Sheep Gate. And, and what I want you to see is that the mission was not just to build the wall. The, bi- the, the mission was to prepare the way of the Lord. They were building this gate ultimately, doing what they could do so so that God would do what only He could do. They were preparing the way of the Lord. There was a mission in it. It wasn't just let's see how great of a wall we can make. They were they were doing it because they had a why behind their what. Have you ever heard that? Maybe you've read Simon Sinek or heard his TED talk where he talks about the importance of a clear why behind your what. Oftentimes we talk about what we do, a business, what they do. They sell computers or they sell, you know, widgets or whatever it is. But Simon Sinek talks about the importance of having a clear why. What's the mission? What is the mission? And and the reality is that there is no greater mission on the earth than the mission of God. There's no mission on the earth that's greater than God's mission. And and let me tell you this: this may surprise you. God's mission isn't just to get you to heaven. Some of you are like, What? I thought that's what this was all about. No, that's why most people are not excited about church. Can we be honest? Most people are not excited about church because it's kind of like life insurance. No, if you sell life insurance, you it's very exciting. It's very exciting. But here's the reality. There is a moment, and I have life insurance, and you should have life insurance. I think it's a good thing to have, and everybody should have it. And, and see some of these guys if you need it, okay? But but how many of you know I'm never that excited about life insurance? I, I pay my bill, and I say, boy, I sure hope I never have to use this. And that's how a lot of people approach their spiritual life. Because they think that the only purpose is to get us into heaven after we die. And that's not exciting because I'm not trying to die. I'm trying to live. And so I'm glad to have it, but I hope I don't have to use it. But that's not what God came to do. Yes, we have the blessed assurance that one day when this life is over, we will leave this world into another world that will be greater than anything we've ever experienced on this world. But God's plan and purpose has always been to get that world onto this world. He's trying to get in. He's trying to get in. And so what church is is not just a waiting party for the sweet by and by church is building a gate for the kingdom of God to come into the earth. What are we doing? What are we doing building a building? We're not building a building so that we can all find a spot and sit on our blessed assurance and wait. And show up on occasion just to kind of feel good about ourselves. That's not why we're building a building. That's not why we're getting a building. We're getting a building because we are building a gateway for the kingdom of God to come into the earth. When we get into the building, we have not arrived. We've begun. We've begun. Because there's a mission on the earth. And it's to change the world. To change the world. It's the greatest why in all the world. God's why. It's awesome. Elon Musk can put men on Mars. That's an exciting mission. But you know what's more exciting is getting men and women into heaven and heaven into men and women. That's more exciting than going to Mars. Y'all sign up for that if you want to, but I'm sticking here, okay? (laughs) There's a mission There's a why behind the what. Notice in verse 5 it says, but the nobles did not set their shoulders, did not put their shoulders to the work. In other words, they they, they didn't put any energy to it. How many of you know you'll always have some spectators? Jesus said it this way, the poor you'll always have with you. That is true. And we should love and serve and care for the poor. That's why we are here as a church. That's what we're doing even today, providing clothes for the Choices Women Clinic, for women that, that, that may not have what they need for their babies. We're called to do that. But we also, you'll always have spectators with you. You know what I'm saying? Let me put it this way. If you ever um, set out in an endeavor, there's always going to be some people that are just going to sit by and watch. Let me, let me, let me, let's see how that goes for you. Let me know, let me know when y'all are done. Let me, let me know when y'all are done. Um, And I I believe we should always love and and welcome every person wherever they're at. I mean, we should always love and welcome people. But, but if you're a, if you're a spectator in God's purpose, you miss out on the reward that God has for us. You miss out on the reward. Let me tell you, every person that is giving towards this initiative, and when we move into the building, when we when we get there in our work clothes and we pull out all of the trash, and let me just go ahead and tell you, there's some trash that we're going to pull out, okay? And other people that have building skills, again, the building's not the mission, it's the means. But we're going to put our shoulders to the work. We're going we're to labor in that. And we want everybody to come. We're preparing it so that people can come and experience God, but they won't experience the same reward. Everybody has heaven guaranteed through Jesus, but not everybody gets the same reward. Not everybody gets the same reward. And and I can't help believe that there's There were some people when Jesus came through that gate, I can't help but think that there was probably some people that that sat back 400 years later after the gate was built. And as the crowd is crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Save us now. Maybe there was one or two in the crowd that tapped their neighbor and said, Hey, you see that gate he's coming through? My great-great-granddaddy built that. My great-great-granddaddy built that. He laid the brick. I don't know about you, but I want it to be said about me generations from now. I'm serving God. Somebody to say I'm serving God because somebody went before me. They weren't content to just be a spectator, but they, they wanted to leave their mark on the earth. God is looking for people that will come together, that will live for something beyond ourselves, that will live for the kingdom of God to see heaven come on earth as it is in heaven. These people must have known David's psalm out of Psalm 24, verse 7, where he says this, Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. He goes on to say, Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. What were they doing as they were building the wall? Yes, it was a very simple what? They were just putting mortar on the bricks, stacking the bricks, mortar and bricks. But even as they were doing it, they were saying, we're making way for the king. The king's going to come. God's going to come. We know that it's been said if we build the gate, if we lift up the gate, that the king is going to come. Oh, King Jesus, come into our world. Come into our lives. Come into our homes. They had a mission. Teams have mission. The second thing I want you to see is that teams are diverse. Teams are diverse. In fact, if you read this whole chapter in Nehemiah 3, you'll see that there's actually 38 workers listed by name and 42 different groups that are working in different places. There's there's a, a diversity. There's a diversity. There's Gates that are built. There's the sheep gate and the fish gate and the old gate and the valley gate and the refuse gate and the fountain gate and the horse gate and the east, the east gate. It's diverse. There's there's many gates, but it's one kingdom. And I believe the same is true in God's kingdom today, that there are many parts, many gates, not ways to salvation, but but many expressions of what God is doing on the earth. Very practically, local churches across this city, across the world, there's local churches that are building and they're preparing the way of the Lord. And sometimes we look at other churches and we criticize because they're not building what we're building. They're not doing what we're doing. And rather than celebrating what God is doing, I want you to know this the kingdom of God is a diverse kingdom. It's a diverse kingdom. And and I love the beauty, the wonder, the bigness, the vastness of all that God is doing around the world. And we should have a love for every expression of the body of Christ. We should be unified. It's easy to criticize, but we should be unified. and, And celebrate what other people are doing, but at the same time, we should build where we're at. We should build where God has put us. We should be faithful in the place where God has put us. Sometimes people are so busy s- s- touring that they're never building. You know what I'm saying? Let me go check out what's happened in the fish gate. Man, that's, y'all are doing good stuff over here. Well, I'm going to head on over to the Dungate now. Let's check out the Dungate. That's another gate in there. Let me check out the Dungate, which actually you'll see it in the news. It's it's in the news today. All of these places. And they're spectating, they're a visitor, not a builder. And, and nothing will come, nothing great will come out of your life through just being kind of a visitor. You know, it's like Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. Uh, but but have you built something and i'm saying this because god wants us to build where we're at practically speaking i believe the expression of that is through spiritual gifts spiritual gifts the bible says in the in the new testament that there's one body but many parts there's a diversity of gifts in this passage i love in verse 8 it says this, and there's just these interesting characters. You got to read the whole thing. There's these interesting characters, but this guy, it says in verse eight, also next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs. I love that. He's the perfumer. He's the guy. He's actually the one that makes the oil. He's the young living guy. Okay. He's the young living guy. He's he's showing up and he's got the oil and he's putting the oil on. And it's actually, that, that role was a role in the Old Testament. It was the one who made the perfume that went on the priests and anointed them for the work that God had called them to. But he was the perfumer. How many of you know where the perf- perfumer showed up? There was an aroma in that place. There was something in that place, and I believe that that perfumer is a picture of every single one of us because the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and each one of us, the Bible says this, that to each one of us, grace has been given. Speaking of spiritual gifts, you have been given a gift. When you're in the place, there's an aroma in the room, and I mean a good aroma, okay? There's a good aroma in the room. When you're not there, when you're missing, there's there's something missing. You're not bringing your aroma to the room. You're not bringing your aroma to the work. If you're not there, it stinks. (laughs) Let, Let me tell you practically what I mean. Within the body, the Bible says that there's this spectrum of gifts. There's there's leadership, and there's administration, and there's mercy, and there's helps, and there's hospitality, and there's pastors, and there's there, there's uh, prophets, and there's apostles, and there's teachers, and there's all of this spectrum of gifts. Why? Because there's a diversity in the kingdom of God, and God needs all of us working together. You see, if the guys at the fountain gate had built the fountain, get, fountain gate, but the guys at the East gate didn't build the east gate, the gate wouldn't, or the wall wouldn't do any good. How many of you know a wall doesn't do any good if it has a hole in it, if it's missing? Every person played an intricate part in God's plan and purpose. And I want to say the same is true for you. You play an important part. When you don't bring your gift to the body, practically speaking, sometimes that's just coming on a Sunday. Sometimes it's showing up in house church. Sometimes it's when we have a prayer meeting, you're present and you're engaged and and involved in things that are happening. Uh, If you're not there, something's missing because you've been given a gift. How many of you know we need the gift of administration? (laughs) All the people with the gift of administration. Are blessed by that. I'm blessed by some of you that have that gift. But if all we have is the gift of administration, we are going to have an amazing plan, but we're not going to get anything done. How many of you know we need the gift of leadership? Amen? So I know sometimes we don't always like the gift of leadership because they're like a trainer. They push us out of our comfort zone, and that's not always easy. But we need the gift of leadership, but we also need the gift of mercy. If it's all leadership, we're going to be going somewhere, but we're going to get burnt out on the way. We need the, the gift of mercy, that when somebody's hurting, the gift of mercy comes in and wraps their arms around them and holds them. Let me tell you, when someone goes through a difficult circumstance, sometimes I'm thinking, who has that gift of mercy? Who has the gift of mercy? Maria Comets, you have an incredible gift of mercy. You have an incredible gift of mercy. I'm telling you, if, if you're in the hospital, you want Maria to come visit you. You don't want Jarrett to come visit you. Okay? <laughs> but let me tell you this, Jarrett has an incredible gift of leadership. And if you need people rallied together, Jarrett has a gift of leadership. There's others of you that have a gift of administration, a gift of helps. I could go around the room, Vito, you've got an incredible gift of helps. This man comes in. I don't I don't know if there's hardly ever been a Sunday that he's just come in without being here early, setting up and tearing down. Maybe this is the first Sunday that you snuck in. But Vito is doing things behind the scenes and he hates to be even recognized like this. But much of what happens in our church couldn't happen without Vito. I get up here and open my big fat mouth, but I couldn't do it if Vito wasn't doing what he was doing and if Ross and Jason and Ben and and, uh, Ethan and Megan weren't doing what they're doing are the people with the kids ministry that have the gift of pastoring and shepherding and the gift of patience. That's a fruit. We all need to have patience, but we need that. But here's what I want you to see that in the context of the church, we go from just my thing to our thing, to our thing. And if we ever just focus on my thing, If we ever just focus on my ministry, my gift, we miss out on the bigness and the beauty of what God wants to do. And so we need the diversity of all of the gifts, even across the city. You know, I love the various expressions of the church across the city. Some have such a teaching gift, and they're so strong in teaching. There's others that have a gift of mercy, and they're so strong in caring for the poor. And I've said this before, what you don't do by gifting, you do by discipline. Okay, so just because it's not my gift doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. But there are parts that we all bring into the body, just as it was here, that there was a diverse group of people. And God wants us to step into that place where every person is engaging with their gifting, serving, using their talent. Some of you are even passionate about helping other people find their gifting. You're the people that go, hey, uh, you're not working. Come over here. We've got a spot in the wall. Come on over. Here's a, you know, here's a, a trowel. Here's some, some cement, some mortar. Go to work. Yep. We need every single one of us. Even as we're moving into this building, we need the gifts of the body to be released. It's been awesome to see gifts and talents in the body. Brad is serving as our general contractor. And what a blessing to have somebody that loves God and has building skills. J.D. has been our architect. The beautiful renderings that you guys saw on the screen, J.D. made those, all right? And Nate put the video together. What is that? That's the body working together. Now, there's other gifts. Some of you, you are, you've got a prophetic gift. You're open to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Well, if we have a building and it's the structure and it's beautiful, but we're not open to what the Holy Spirit's saying, we've, we're missing out. So we need the diversity. The last thing I want you to see, wow, 1132. Joel, you're a troublemaker up here, man. The last thing, I'll be quick. The last thing I want you to see is this. Not only are, do teams have a mission and not only are they diverse, but they're also inclusive. Inclusive. Notice this, that in this passage, there is no Bench. There's nobody that just says they were standing around because they, they didn't really have what was needed. Every single person functions. Every person matters. Mark, I'm thinking of you today. You are an incredible blessing to this church. You, I know that God has used you in so many ways for so long, and I know now maybe some of those ways aren't functioning in the way that they have been in the past, but you're a blessing to us. You bring so much joy to me every time you're here. I feel a lift in my spirit because of the joy. Your jokes. It's, uh, you and I, we share a sick sense of humor, but I'm tracking with you. And, and I just want to say how much we love you. What a blessing that you are. And, and every single person plays a part in what God is doing among us. There's nobody that we say, well, they're the all-star person, and the rest of us, you're just kind of, you know, back row, back seat. You don't matter. Every person matters to God. I'll say this about our about our Vision Builders Initiative. Whether you gave one dollar or whether you gave thousands of dollars, every person matters. Every person is playing a part. That's the beauty of a team. That when we come into a team. Maybe on our own, we couldn't do what we want to do. The truth is, none of us could. But when we step into the team, our gift becomes magnified. It becomes important and that, it, it, because it's included in the body. And I, I want to encourage you. We want to include every person. There's nobody that is inconsequential or, or, or can be excluded. I, I'll move quickly. I love this in verse 12. I didn't read it earlier, but the Bible says this of Shalom, the son of Halohesh. Say it quickly. Is that all right? Okay. The district of Jerusalem. <laughs> this guy, it was the, he was the leader of the district, of half the district of Jerusalem. In other words, he's a government official. But it says, he and his daughters made repairs. He and his daughters made repairs. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how old his daughters were, but at this time, it was common to be married at a very young age. And so if they are still with him, they're probably not married. That means they're probably children. But I want you to see the beauty of this, that he's working and he's bringing his daughters along. Yeah. I think that's a picture for every single one of us, that, that we need to include our children we need to include our families. You know, there's, there's probably two errors that, that we need to avoid. One is that we, we, we have all mission to the exclusion of our families. And there are people that have this great sense of God's call, that maybe they travel all over the world, or maybe they're, they're killing it in their career or vocation, and they, they, they feel like, man, I'm making a great impact in the world, but they're, they, they're leaving their family behind. And, you know, my, my granddaddy used to say this, my dad's dad. He said, if heaven is worth going to, it's worth bringing my family with me. If it's worth going to, I'm bringing my children along. And that's true of this, this man. He hallowesh. he's working, but he's bringing his children with him. Now, those of you who are parents, you know this. It doesn't always expedite the project to bring your kids with you. <laughs> I mean, I can see him. He's walking out the door, heading to work. He's got his tool belt. He's going to, you know, go rally the crowd. And he's walking out the door. His daughters say, Daddy, Daddy. Does it say four daughters? No, it just says daughters. I had four in my mind. Daddy, Daddy, let us come with you. And his wife gives him that look. Men, you know the look? Come on. She just wants to go with you. He brings them along. He brings them along. But here's what I want you to see. He's not just building a wall. He's building a legacy. He's building a legacy. And, and, and sometimes we, we leave our children behind to go change the world. But sometimes we leave the mission of God in the name of our family. And, and the reality is that in our day and age, none of us, and I know you guys, I, I pretty much know everybody. You're wonderful parents. But I believe this, we need to bring our children along in the mission of God. That's why even as we're building this building, it's going to be kid-friendly, family-friendly. Why? Because we want it to be a place where we can bring our children. They can have an encounter with God. We're bringing them along. And that's what this man was doing. He was bringing his family along. I believe one of the reasons many people who grow up in church leave church. Statistically, many people, when they turn 18, they leave the church and never come back. And I believe oftentimes the reason is they've gone to church, but they've not gone on mission. Right. And, and if church is just keep your salvation hanging by a shoestring, it's not very exciting. Right. But if, if mom and dad, if we say to our children, come on, kids, we're changing the world. Yeah. We're changing the world. There's something exciting about that. I believe that's what God is calling us into. God wants us not to be family without mission and not to have mission and no family. He wants us to be family on mission like this man. I want to ask you if you would stand to your feet. Joel, you can come.